I had a fabulous two or three months and then the tech bubble crashed. And I sat there and I watched all this money melt away. It was just a terrifying, terrible. I felt so ashamed and embarrassed. I couldn't believe I would do something so radically stupid with my money. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, friends. If only it was so easy to just trade stocks, not knowing what the company even did, and turn a tidy profit. Certified financial planner, psychologist, and mental wealth advocate, Dr. Brad Klontz, got hit hard in his brokerage account when he followed his friend and invested a ton of money into stocks, thinking that was the easy way to pay off his six-figure student debt. And it went great until it didn't. If the name sounds familiar, that is because for those of you who also listen to my other podcast, Money with Friends, Dr. Brad was one of our featured guest co-hosts this past spring, sharing his take on some of the most pressing financial issues just as the coronavirus began to spread. If you aren't already listening to Money with Friends, I would love for you guys to check it out. And if you are into TikTok, please make sure to take a look at Dr. Brad's channel there. He is hilarious. But also, he has a lot of great advice presented in his very unique and awesome style. And you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about after about two seconds of watching him. It's pretty entertaining. So while I take a little bit of a break as the summer winds down, I thought it would be a great time to share his episode of the Financial Grown Up Podcast that first came out last October. You guys are in for a big treat. Here is Dr. Brad Klontz. Dr. Brad Klontz, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to be here, Bobby. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to have you because you are going to help us all with our mental wealth. You are, among many things, a psychologist. You are a CFP. You are the founder of the Financial Psychology Institute. You're an associate professor of financial psychology. You got it all going on, Dr. Brad. Well, I'm, I'm busy for sure, but having a lot of fun. We're going to talk a little bit more about what you do, but you brought with you a money story that I think is going to be unfortunately relatable to a lot of our listeners. And that's basically having to do with when things don't go as you had hoped with your investments. Tell us your money story. Yeah. So I didn't start out to be a financial psychologist. I actually started out to be a clinical psychologist. So to get through school, I had to take out student loans. And I'm sure some other people can relate to this situation. Um, When I got out of school, I owed $100,000 in debt, student loan debt. I grew up lower middle class. My mom says we were middle class, but lower. (laughs) And taught to be a healthy saver, not to overspend. I was also taught never have any debt. However, that was the only way I could get through school. So I, I just to sort of set the stage, I had a lot of anxiety about having this debt. It was something that I, I wasn't comfortable with. Um, How much debt did you have? About $100,000. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, especially back then. But that's what I had to do to get my doctorate. So I started my internship year. I was over in Hawaii. And I saw a friend of mine make $100,000 that year trading stocks. I would sit next to him at the computer and he'd be like, ooh, I just bought 200 shares of EMC. I'm like, what's EMC? He's like, I have no clue. Ha ha ha, click. 
And I saw him make $100,000 in the course of a year. And I thought, what a brilliant way for me to get out of debt. So I'll just do the same thing. So I sold what I had of value, which for me mainly was a truck. And I put it all in the stock market. How much? For me, it was about like ten dollars or $15,000. I mean, I cobbled together everything I had. And I had nothing beyond that. And I put it all in the stock market. So this was everything I owned. Based on this one observation. Well, I observed this over the course of about a year. So I watched this person make $100,000 trading stocks. <laughs> and so that's where I, where I came up with this idea. So, you know, I studied it for six months. I didn't just dive right in, Bobby. But then I did. I dove right in. And um, I had a fabulous two or three months. And then the tech bubble crashed. And I sat there and I watched all this money melt away. It was just a terrifying, terrible. I felt so ashamed and embarrassed. I couldn't believe I would do something so radically stupid with my money. And I turned to the field of psychology. I did what, you know, grad students would, are very familiar with. I did a literature review. So I was going to dive into psychology and find these studies that have been done to help explain why a reasonably intelligent person would do something so stupid with his money. And I started to do the searches and I found nothing. Really? Yeah. Really, the field of psychology had utterly ignored the topic of money for decades. And so I was, I was kind of bummed by that. What I wanted to do was, was read a few studies, get my head straight, and move forward with my life as a clinical psychologist. What I discovered is there was nothing there. And so I decided to actually have to dig in around in my own financial psychology. And what I found is that it was all my mother's fault. Okay. That's sort of a psychology joke. Well, and by the way, your father, you're now in business with your father. <laughs> exactly. But psychologists like to pick on mothers for some reason, <laughs> typically because they're the ones who are most involved in there. But what I did is I actually, I did, I was like, okay, so I've learned, you know, everything I've learned pretty much from my parents. So what I did is I hopped on a plane and I went back home and I sat down with my mother. And then I did this with my father too. And I interviewed them almost like an anthropologist would. I'm like, okay, so I have this money psychology. I have no idea really what it is. I have a lot of anxiety around money, but where did it come from? So I sat down with my parents. Um, and by the way, as a grad student, I'd put them through this before. <laughs> so it wasn't unfamiliar. Oh, no. um, and so I was asking my mother, like, what was it like for you growing up? What was it like for grandma and grandpa around money? And I got to tell you, Bobby, I was shocked by some of the stories I heard. Like what? Well, the one that was the most shocking for me was that my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, he lost all of his money and the family's money in the Great Depression. So he went to the bank one day and the door shut. You have no more money. This was a traumatic experience. And a lot of the research that we've done since then, you know, there, there are a lot of these traumatic experiences around money that people have experienced in families or entire cultures or groups of people. And the story gets passed down and the anxiety gets passed down. That's what happened to him. And he's not alone. That happened to a lot of people. But what I didn't know is he lived to be in his mid-90s. He never put a dollar in the bank the rest of his life. That was such a traumatic experience for him. He's like, you can't trust banks with your money. Never put money in the bank again. He put it in a lockbox in his attic. And of course, it wasn't going so well for him financially. Um, when he passed away, he was living in a trailer park. Super great guy, very generous guy, but was so traumatized by what happened around money. Never even entered the door of possibly getting some interest or investing. Now, my mother had tons of anxiety around money. I knew that. She didn't invest in the stock market, but she would put money in the bank and CDs. What I realized was there's this entire family story that I hadn't even heard of, but I'm playing out the next chapter. And of course, growing up in that family, I'm like, I don't want to be poor like you guys. So I'm going to do the opposite of what you did. 
And so I, I call it like a dysfunctional pendulum swing. I went from extremely anxious and conservative to pro- the most risky possible investment. And I got burned really badly. And if I wasn't a psychologist, I wonder if I wouldn't have sort of blamed the market. This is actually what we're seeing happen now with a lot of millennials where they saw their parents go through a trauma, losing a house, delaying retirement, that kind of thing. And there's a general mistrust of the markets and and financial institutions within that generation. Do you think that's why a lot of millennials, and we're totally stereotyping here, guys, are less into buying houses as a a generation and less into credit cards, more into debit cards and more into experiences than owning stuff because stuff you can kind of lose and experiences with you forever. I think so. And again, it, it is a generalization, but I think that there's surveys that have really borne this out. Like this, this is an, a real thing. Like they experienced a cultural phenomenon that has impacted how they look at money, how they look at investing, how they look at risk. So absolutely, just like that Great Depression generation had a cultural experience that led to a bunch of hoarding, frankly, like a lot of people know relatives who live through that who are a bit of hoarders, you know, they're saving stuff, they don't want to get rid of it. They have anxiety about not having enough. Did you pull the money out when the market crashed in the tech bubble? Or did you ride it out? I did a combination. I think I actually still own a couple legacy stocks from then that I just hold on to just as a reminder <laughs> that, that you know, we're all vulnerable. We're all potentially vulnerable to emotional decisions around money. But yeah, I, I took it in the chin. You know, a lot of these were stocks that just basically went belly up because things were ridiculously oh, crazy back okay. then. Okay, so it wasn't even an option to ride them out because a lot of good companies went down and then eventually came back. Absolutely, but I was on the I was going after the riskiest stocks possible within that tech sector because that's what I had seen my friend do and make a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! All right, what is the lesson for our listeners from that story? So the lesson is this: that the craziest behaviors you have around money, the things that you most struggle with. You're not crazy. They make perfect total sense. If you understand the story that your family experienced around money and the beliefs that you got based on that story, either your direct experience or the experience that was passed down to you in the research that we do, we call them money scripts. Mm -hmm. These are those typically subconscious beliefs you have about money. And we've done a dozen studies on this. Now, these beliefs will predict income, net worth, a whole host of financial behaviors, including credit card debt, etc. So these beliefs are extremely powerful. And most of us have no idea they're clanking around in our heads. So yeah, that's the message I would give. And that brings us to our everyday money tip, because you have an assignment for our listeners that will really pay off for them. What is your everyday money tip? Absolutely. So it's understanding those money scripts. And there's a couple different ways to do it. On your mentalwealthadvisors.com, I've got the test that we've used in all those studies. That's a quick, simple way to to look at them. Or another way is to actually sit back with a paper and pencil and and ask yourself, what three things did my mother teach me about money? What three things did my father teach me about money? If you have the benefit of them being still alive, go interview them, ask them stories. What was it like for them growing up? What was it like for your grandparents? Because again, these messages get trickled down. We have no idea where they came from, but they totally drive all our financial behaviors. So true. And when you start seeing the patterns, it really becomes very clear. We were talking before we started taping about, I took, you have a test that people can take. I took it and it came up with some interesting results. I'm a workaholic, but that's like many members of my family. So it's really true that you do pick up money habits from the people that you grow up with. And that makes total sense. Tell us a little bit more about your practice. And I'm a new fan, I should say. And by the way, thank you to our mutual friend, Paul Ollinger, the comedian who introduced us. He did an earlier episode of Financial Grown-Up. Everyone should check that out. But I love your YouTube channel. Tell us more about what goes on there and what other things you do for people to help people understand the mental 
side to our wealth. Yeah, I have a real passion for this. And you can hear that I'm passionate when I talk about my own story. But I know I'm not alone. I know that many of us struggle with money. We have anxieties around money. We're stressed around it. Discovering this research around our beliefs and where they come from and really seeing people being able to transform their lives by becoming aware of that. And so the bulk of what I do, you know, I'm a CFP, as you are. And I also teach at Creighton University, um, where we have a program in financial psychology. And as part of that, I do research. So I conduct um, a lot of studies. Actually, I had one that just came out today, where we used financial psychology to increase savings rates. What we did is we got people really excited about what they want to save for and had them create visual images of that. You can imagine like a vision board. That was one component. And what we saw is a 73% increase in savings when people got really excited about what they were saving for. And so I'm super passionate about doing that kind of research that improves people's financial health. And I try to put as much information as, as I can on my YouTube channel, Dr. Brad Klontz. And also people should make sure to sign up for your newsletter because that's something I just did. And it's really great stuff there as well. And uh, take the test. It's very eye-opening. Where can people find you on social media beyond YouTube? Yeah, so it's at Dr. Brad Klontz on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. After you take Dr. Brad's money disorders test, which as you heard, called me out as being a workaholic, and sometimes to a not healthy level, actually do something about it. In my case, Dr. Brad got me started with some ideas by pointing me to a recent video he did on YouTube for workaholics. Among the tips, taking the rocking chair test where you reflect on your life and you think about where you wish you had spent more of your time. We will leave a link to that video in the show notes. Financial grown-up tip number two. One of the things that Dr. Brad does is that he has a money mantra. For him, it goes something like this. I worked very hard today. I'm really happy with what I did. Now my wife, my children, and my health are actually more important to me. So I'm going to stop working right now and I'm going to leave. So maybe we should all make money mantras. Something I've thought about before, still haven't done something to think about. I want to take a few minutes to talk about reviews before I wrap this up. I've been told that they don't help in the algorithm and they don't help your podcast be discovered. And that may be true. But the truth is when somebody is deciding whether to invest their time in a podcast, they often do read reviews. And if we're being honest, they matter to me personally because doing this podcast, while I have a lot of support, can feel a little lonely. And you wonder if you're really making an impact. So I want to ask you guys to please leave a review if you can spare the time. And I am also going to start sharing some of the reviews that I do get with all of you as a sign of my appreciation, maybe some motivation to leave a review because they really are appreciated. So this one is from Clean Crunchy Mama. And she says, quote, a shot of good info. I love being able to listen 10 to 20 minutes on my walk home from school drop-off. That's all the time I have. It's like an espresso shot of information. Have learned from Bobby and her guests. Keep up the good work, Bobby. That was so nice. So thank you so much, Clean Crunchy Mama, for that review. It really gave me the energy to keep going. Totally made my day. On that note, I hope that inspires some of you guys to leave reviews as well. I know it's not set up in the most user-friendly way, but the effort is appreciated. And like I said, it really motivates me to keep the podcast going and is truly appreciated. Also appreciated is Dr. Brad Klontz for sharing his very candid story and giving us all some great tools to be financial grownups.
Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.